When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome to our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm going to tell you about Football Insider. You can't get away from that, but I'm also going to say stick to the end of this podcast because uh, we couldn't figure something out, and I finally figured it out after we stopped recording. Stephen Carlson in Dallas, of course, the blocked PAT. Anyway, you'll have to find out what I'm talking about there. Football Insider. We took questions from our Football Insider subscribers via text here on this podcast, and if you want to get involved in that, uh, you can get, of course, uh, a chance to be a part of our texting group. Uh, you can get a daily newsletter delivered to your inbox with exclusive content that our Browns team writes that doesn't go anyplace else. You get uh, access to those exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash Browns. For details and to get signed up, go to cleveland.com slash Browns. There's a big blue banner right on the top of the page. You can click on that, get all the info, get yourself signed up. Here is our Thursday podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby, joined by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. How you doing? Doing well, and also joining us, Ellis Williams. Ellis, how are you? I'm cool, man. Uh, hopefully by the time listeners hear this podcast, the T-Pups select LaMelo Ball first overall, and I'll be <laughs> a happy Wolves fan for a little bit here, but uh, we're at the mercy wow. of the draft tonight. should be fun. I didn't, I didn't realize you were a LaMelo Ball guy. Never lost. <laughs> All right. There we go. All right. So um, we're recording this on a Wednesday and uh, on the day when the Browns put three more players uh, on the COVID reserve list. Now, this is a little different than Andy Janovich, who went on on Monday after a positive test. These, these are three guys who, in Cody Parkey, Jack Conklin, and Charlie Hewlett, who um, were close contacts. Uh, apparently with a non-staff member. So they had to go on the reserve COVID list, which Kevin Stefanski very clearly reminded us today does not mean a, a person tested positive. Miles um, Garrett is home sick. That is not COVID related. Uh, so hopefully for the Browns and his sake, those tests keep coming back negative with, with him as they test every day. The NFL is going to go into intensive protocols league wide. The Browns have been in those for two weeks. Uh, so they're really starting to lock down as these cases start to spike across the country. And I, I, the question I wanted to ask each of you is, you know, I I think there was some skepticism leading into this season. I think there was probably a point back in the spring when we weren't sure if there would be a season, but here we are uh, still going strong. Momentum is leading towards a full season. So how do you guys think the NFL has done so far this year? And, And also them taking this aggressive step to put teams in the intensive protocols. Well, I think they've done a, a great job to this point. I actually can't believe that we've gotten through week 10 of the NFL season without a major disruption in the schedule. Without, you know, I mean, all the Browns games have been played. There have been a couple times where I've thought, is this going to happen? Uh, but now we're starting to get into some dicey times. And I have to wonder uh, if the house of cards isn't getting ready to fall a little bit here. So, uh, you know, we saw today that uh, potentially uh, the whole entire Raiders starting defense might 
and end up going on the COVID reserve list or is going on the list. Uh, we've got these three Browns players that are close contacts. Uh, we don't know for sure if they're going to make it back in time for the game on Sunday. They hope that they will. And it just seems like we are headed towards uh, just some disruption in, in the NFL schedule. It, it just was almost a little too good to be true, but it's a reflection of what's going on in the country right now. And there's just no way that unless you are in that bubble, like the NBA was, that you can contain this virus, that you can you know, let these players go home to their families. They have children, they have spouses, uh, you know, they're, you know, they are having to live their lives. So there was no way that, that they were going to escape some guys testing positive. And, uh, you know, they have contingency plans in terms of uh, the playoffs. They do have a plan B and I hope they don't have to go to that because I kind of like things the way they are right now with seven, you know, playoff teams from each conference. I don't really want to go to eight. Um, but yeah, so far they've done a great job. We'll see how the next three or four weeks goes. Yeah, I've been impressed. You know, the NFL is doing a lot better than college football right now. And it, that's not surprising. You know, kids will be kids, as they say. But there's, a, you know, the NFL is a young man's game, too. And these are a lot of 20, 21, 22-year-old men who, um, you know, are living in new areas and have access to things and are having a completely different NFL experience than any season before this. And it's a testament to their, their discipline, uh, to, to really all these teams, aside from the Raiders right now, that, that news kind of just broke before we got on here, as Mary Kay said. Um, but clearly the, the players are taking this seriously. There's um, must be a lot of good leadership in the locker room. There's, there's, I feel as if the young players don't want to let the vets down uh, and they're holding, everyone's holding themselves accountable. Uh, and then you just have, you know, programs, you know, the Browns, for example, who have, have been in these protocols for weeks now and uh, remain disciplined. And the, the biggest the, and the most impressive thing about all this really is teams that are able to still improve week to week while going through all this COVID mess. And that's, I think you can put the Browns on this, that list. And that's when we look back on this season will probably be the, the most impressive thing is that somehow in practice, these teams are still able to get better despite navigating all this nonsense and the teams that don't have to have their, you know, entire uh, units removed. You know, we, we haven't seen that yet in the NFL. We'll see how this Raiders things develops. Uh, but that, that is one area that I guess I'm a little surprised that we haven't seen a whole position group get wiped out. And, but again, that's a testament to the players. They're, they're taking this seriously, that they're maintaining their distance in the facilities. And then when they leave they're they're behaving and they're, they're probably, they're clearly isolating and it, it's a different season, but they're check, trekking through. And as Mary Kay said, we're entering a tough time now. This is going to be the holidays. I've always wondered as teams start getting eliminated from the playoffs, it, contention will, they continue to behave as you don't have much to play for. So still a long ways to go, but yeah, to get through 10 weeks without, you know, having to have an extra week 18 yet or anything like that. It's, it's, I, I don't think we, I, if you would have asked me in the preseason, would we be here right now? I don't think I'd have said yes. Yeah. That, I mean, that's really the thing to watch. That thing you mentioned at the end is these, cause some of these lame duck teams, right. Especially if they have like a lame duck coach or coaching staff that, you know, they don't really have much reason to, to respect to them anymore. Cause they know they're not going to be there. Um, you know, th those are the things to kind of watch, but I mean, I think the NFL, and again, we're recording this, we just got this Raiders news about their defense. So, you know, we'll see where that goes, but I think there's two things in play here. The NFL 
kind of very clearly decided they were going to attack this with that next man up mentality a little bit. Uh, but also to their credit, for the most part, they've been able, when a guy has tested positive, we haven't seen huge amounts of spread. And when we have, it's been, you know, cause the Titans were, you know, maybe not doing what they were supposed to do, or maybe there were some issues with the Raiders. You know, the Browns are a great example. Chris Hubbard test positive goes on the list. Didn't hear anything, right? Like none of those other offensive linemen got tested positive. You know, Andy Janovich goes on the list. We're two days later, still nothing from like that running backs room, right? So I think they've done a good job. The acknowledgement was always you're going to get positive tests, but the idea was when you did, you have a bunch of things in place to make sure that it doesn't take out a position group or it doesn't take out one side of the football or, or something like that. So I think the NFL has done a nice job, but much like the Browns at six and three who can't sit here and take victory laps because there's a long ways to go till the playoffs. I think the NFL and, and the going into the intensive protocols only magnifies this. The NFL understands there's still a long ways to go. You know what? Uh, uh, so far teams have gotten pretty lucky in terms of the timing of how things right. have happened. I mean, think about the Steelers. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger missed a whole week of practice and shows up, and I don't know, didn't he throw the ball like 50 times or something ridiculous <laughs> like that? Um, yeah. And, you know, and they won a game big. So for the most part, we haven't seen a situation where all of a sudden, on a Friday, the starting quarterback of the football team comes down with a positive COVID test and can't play in the game on Sunday. I have to wonder uh, if how the, the playoff race is, is going to be impacted if all of a sudden, you know, you're in the thick of it, you're in the, in it, the heat of the playoff battle and, you know, whatever, Ryan Tannehill can't start a game or, or Baker or Derek Carr or, or somebody, you know what I mean? That's, that's when it's going to be uh, really interesting. Hopefully uh, those kinds of things won't happen, but um, they'll be lucky to escape situations like that where a key quarterback uh, you know, has to sit out a football game. It's a great point, Mary Kay, because, you know, you think of the Browns, uh, when Baker Mayfield went on the list, they were on a bye week, uh, of course, didn't have COVID, but um, close contact. And I, th I think the only team that really has been affected by this so far would have been the New England Patriots back in, what was that, like uh, week four, maybe? Um, they were preparing for the Kansas City Chiefs, and Cam Newton had missed that game and they got smoked. They probably were going to lose to the only team that's uh, really been put behind the eight ball because of this. It'll be fascinating to follow and, and could be potentially huge spot just the timing of these things. That they've caught a lot of breaks, the league as a whole. Yes. And, and look, the other thing they have to be wary of is what if in January, Patrick Mahomes tests positive on the Sunday of a divisional game. That's right. the NFL's nightmare right there. If they, yeah. if it happens on a playoff game. All right, we could probably talk about this forever, but we've put out a, a call for some texter questions. So I want to get to those and, and we'll just start with this. This is, this has been a topic we've talked about over and over again, the schedule, but uh, Joe from London, Ohio asks with the Titans and Ravens looking mortal. And so far, none of the other quote unquote, easy teams getting hot. What is the biggest obstacle to the Browns making the playoffs? We keep saying 10 and six, but do we really see three losses here? He wants to know what he's missing. What do you guys think? Well, you know, they might not have three losses left in them. They might not. I mean, they, there might be an opportunity to possibly 
uh, only lose two games. Uh, there, you know, there's a chance that they could possibly, I don't see them beating the Steelers unless the Steelers rest in the final week. And that's possible too. Uh, the, the Ravens are showing chinks in their armor. Uh, and so are the Titans. So, you know, when you've got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, and then on the other side of the ball, you've got Miles Garrett. I think the Browns can pretty much almost beat anybody except for maybe the Chiefs and the Steelers, any, almost any other games for the most part. Uh, you can kind of see them at least putting up a pretty darn good fight. So, you know what? There is a world in which maybe they only lose possibly two more games. I don't really see them losing to any of the easy teams left on their schedule, although I do, we've all already talked about this. I do think that this Sunday is one where, uh, where that defense could disrupt Baker Mayfield. And especially if Jack Conklin doesn't play and Chris Hubbard doesn't play. I mean, we think Jack's going to be back, but um, you know, this is, this is a game where Baker will be tested with some pressure and this is where he has struggled. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. I mean, and those guys are getting some, players back you know if Carson Wentz kind of pulls it together and Miles Sanders has a good game and Zach Ertz comes back and uh, they can hit some passes over the middle this can be a little bit of a challenging game on Sunday I still see them winning it um, but you know I, I could see them winning most of their remaining games except for maybe two so for the sake of the podcast I'll play the role of glass half empty um Here's how this breaks down. And Mary Kay, you, you wrote about it a few days ago. Um, a lot of six and three teams right now. The Dolphins have a pretty easy schedule these next few games. Uh, the, the Raiders hold the tiebreaker and they're running the ball like crazy right now, even though we just mentioned their defense. Uh, but that tiebreaker may come back to haunt the Browns. You think of a team like Tennessee, can they figure it out? Uh, no one thinks this is going to happen, but a potentially going 0-2 versus the NFC East down the stretch here. Uh, this Eagles game is huge, and then they're playing in New York. The, the, this Giants team is trending the right way. I think that's uh, a lot better defense than people give it credit for. And then we don't know what this passing offense looks like in a normal weather situation yet. We, you know, Odo Beckham Jr. goes down, and, and then they play the Raiders in a tornado, and then they have their bye week, and you, know, you, you think they're going to figure some stuff out and debut some stuff. And then there's another 40 mile hour winds in Cleveland. And so we don't know what this team looks like on a normal surface, really in a normal conditions. And I, I don't think they're going to look bad by any means. I'm just saying there is a lot unknown out here still. So in a glass half empty approach, uh, a crowded field, not having the tiebreaker, uh, the Colts seem like they have some stuff going for them. They, that giants game might be more challenging than people think. And it's, it's the NFL. I, this Monday night football game versus the Ravens. You just, you just don't know. Nothing's guaranteed. And by no means does anyone Berea think it's guaranteed. They're going to keep pushing forward, um, you know, as if they, they don't have a win and need to keep finding it. That's how they think week to week. You know, they're very singular. I thought Baker put that well today when we talked to him, uh, but there's still a lot of question marks for this football team. But here's the one thing I will say to end on a positive note. They do one thing incredibly well. They run the football and you get in the playoffs. Perhaps there's a matchup where you face a team that can't stop the run and a, a team that has one expertise, I'd rather be that than a, a, some of these teams that don't really have an identity right now, starting with the Eagles coming up. Yeah, I, uh, there, just a couple quick points. I, I think, first of all, with this defense, I, I think they have the ability. I mean, I, let's not pretend this defense is great. You know, the Browns defense is going to 
cost them a game, I think, at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if you go back and watch that Texans game, they weren't – I know they only allowed seven points, but they weren't really all that great in that football game. Miles Garrett, of course, can change a game on his own, so they have that going for him. Um, but then also, I don't know, I have this weird nagging feeling about this Eagles game. I don't know why. You know, all these other kind of so-called easy games, you know, the Giants are tougher than I think people think. Um, but that's going to be towards the end of the season. And, and that's when it gets a little more difficult for, uh, for a team to kind of stay motivated and, and stay fired up. But I, I just have this weird nagging feeling about this Eagles game. If they get through this week, I, I'm probably, I'm probably on board with our, uh, our guy here. Who's, who's counting up to maybe 11 or 12 wins. Uh, that's Joe who's uh, feeling very confident. Okay. We've been talking a lot about extensions, uh, mostly for Nick Chubb. And there were a couple Nick Chubb questions and I'll just say, uh, we've talked a lot about Nick Chubb. Got to watch the tape. You guys did a, uh, you know, could he and Hunt get to a thousand yards? And then we also talked a lot about the uh, possible Nick Chubb extension. Uh, I believe it was on our Tuesday podcast. So go check those out. But here's one from Tyson, our picker from last week uh, in Texas. Would you offer Wyatt Teller an extension? And if so, what's his value? If you offer it this off season, would it be less than what they gave Joel Batonio? We're starting to hand out Jimmy Haslam's money here. And, you know, to be honest with you, they are going to probably have an opportunity to extend Wyatt Teller this offseason. It might be something they have to think about. But I also wonder how much they value. It's an expensive offensive line. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how much more money they would want to sink into that line. Well, he's due 920000 in base salary next year. I think they would like to extend him. I, I see them uh, making a pitch to do that. This is the kind of player that you want to wrap up long-term. He's in the prime of his career. He's still young. Uh, I think he's 26 right now. So, you know, that's exactly when you want to get a guy like that in his second contract. And um, I think they're willing to allocate a lot of resources to the offensive line. I think they understand the importance of doing so. And I don't think they mind spending the money there uh, to get what they're getting out of the running game and out of their pass protection when you have a line like that. Uh, after all these years of so many years of covering this football team and hearing about bad offensive lines, uh, it, it, it really is nice to see a team that understands the importance of building both lines for the most part, but really especially protecting your young quarterback and, and really blocking like heck for that running game. So I would go ahead and do it. I would start those extension talks. I would start them now even probably uh, I would have some preliminary discussions and maybe try to get that wrapped up in the off season, even though uh, he is heading into, uh, he has one more year under contract. I would do that for sure in the off season. And I would give him uh, whatever the going rate is for the top guards in the NFL. And I wouldn't hesitate to do it. He's established himself as, as one of the best. I think he's having a pro bowl season and you can put some incentives in there like that. Uh, you know, to to try to sweeten the pot a little bit, but I would do it. Yeah, this front office is going to have to spend their money at some point, and I I believe they will, and they've already proven that they're uh, not afraid or, if better yet, uh, prioritize the offensive line and will, that's where they want to invest. So, you know, a first-round pick on the left side, top tackle for Compton on the right, uh, and they'll just keep falling in line here. I think a few things with Teller could play into the Browns' favor, uh, he doesn't have a pedigree like a Quentin Nelson, you know, a first round pick uh, and, you know, has, has strung together a bunch of seasons of success. This is a, a one year type of thing. 
so I think both sides are going to, you know, Teller's going to want to strike while it's hot, but it's not, he has this long resume to also throw out the Browns. So I think you can come in a little lower possibly there when it comes to negotiating. And then secondly, he just, you know, Teller seems like a guy who is really happy in this role. And I, of course, you know, you're going to go where the money is, but there's not just, there's, there's no reason uh, to think he's going to be aggressive or, or, or difficult in, in, in searching for that type of money when, uh, you know, we just talked to him, I think, last week, and he is just, you know, a lot of personality. You, you can kind of read him in that way that he's really happy in what he's doing here and has found a home, uh, a system that fits him perfectly. And like Mary Kay said, he's a complete difference maker, so the Browns have to put a lot of priority here. It, it would be silly if these two these sides separate. We just saw the difference between not having Teller and having Teller does for this rushing attack and just lock him up for the next, you know, four seasons or so kind of solidifies what this offense is going to be about for the next, you know, handful of years. Our, our texter mentioned the Joel Batonio contract, which was signed when Andrew Barry was here um, with Sashi Brown, Joel Batonio, five-year, $50 million contract extension in March of 2017. He's under contract through 2022. Uh, JC Treader is under contract through 2022, but let's not forget the Browns drafted a center. Uh, in the fifth round and Nick Harris, I'm not saying they should do anything with JC Treader, but we got to keep that in mind when we talk about building this roster out. And also it helps that Jedrick Wills is on a rookie contract. So you can kind of line things up, um, you know, with your offensive line, you can have that money invested in those other four spots because if Jedrick Wills continues playing, like he's been playing, uh, you, you've got a steal over there at left tackle before he starts to get really expensive. Uh, so they, they can do some gymnastics there with uh, with that salary cap. All right, let's see here. Uh, from John in Atlanta, Georgia, do the Browns have enough speed to take deep shots or do they plan on using the short game with their tight ends? Uh, a lot of guys in the box on Sunday. Uh, it was the most I think the Browns have faced eight-man boxes uh, on Sunday, both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And it, you know, it's a little concerning. Maybe some of that was the weather. We don't want to contribute all of that to Odell being gone, but I do think this is something to keep an eye on how many teams, especially teams that can't create pressure with four guys are going to keep eight guys up in the box. And do the Browns have a guy that can kind of break that? You know what? I think they have enough from different guys. They don't have, you know, one guy where you could say, Oh yeah, now he's the deep threat, but I think they have enough speed well-placed that they can get the job done and take the top off a of defense. They can do it with uh, Taewon Taylor. I think he'll be active in a game like this where it's not a weather game and they know that maybe they uh, might need a little bit more of a vertical game. Uh, so you can throw Taewon in there. Uh, you can use Kadero Hodge in that role a little bit. You can use Donovan Peoples-Jones in that role somewhat. Uh, and I mean, you can go, you can go downfield with Harrison Bryant, with David Njoku, uh, so they'll find ways to stretch the defense and take the top off of the defense. I think they have enough to get the job done. Yeah, the Browns are clearly comfortable running some sort of slot fade. You know, they threw one at Njoku. They, uh, Landry's had some success uh, on that play. But outside of the, the slot fade, this team isn't attacking downfield. And, I, you know, we just talked about the weather has really handcuffed this passing attack. So we don't really know exactly what they're going to look like when they do try and stretch the field. I, I've predicted it'll be Kaderil Hodge, the first, you know, deep post that Baker throws following Odell Beckham Jr.'s injury, I think will go to Hodge. Um, and I'd, I'd, I'd love to see him come down with one. I'd love to see what sort of downfield uh, athlete and playmaker he can be. I think Stefanski will give him at least a chance. You have to, you have to threaten the defense at some point, uh, you know, like we've been talking about to loosen up these boxes that Hunt and Nick Chubb are going to face. 
but it, you know, I need to see it. We just, we just, we just don't know. Of course they have speed on paper, uh, but you know, a lot more needs to go into that to, to have it execute. And, you know, Baker wasn't really connecting deep with Odell Beckham Jr. So this isn't going to change the whole offense or anything, but just for, as a threat, uh, they need to establish somebody. And, you know, they did try uh, to trade for a couple of deep threat guys. So it's not like they don't know, they know they need it, right? I mean, everybody needs that. Uh, so it's an element that I know that they, you know, that they wish they had more than they do right now. Uh, but I still think that, you know, they have a couple of maybe not secret weapons, but uh, they have some sneaky speed, as you mentioned, uh, you know, with Hodge, with, with DVP and with, with Taewon. You know, and, and they did bring back a guy on their practice squad this week in Derek Willies, who's big and fast, can run. So, you know, maybe you're hoping that guy can make a big catch for you at some point. That's kind of where you're at, I think with this football team is uh, we're here on this zoom and Mary Kay's like in a strobe light over here. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's uh, that's one of the things that you're sort of hoping for is maybe you can find that one guy to make that one big play, right? Donovan Peoples Jones made that huge catch against the Bengals. Uh, And you want to see more out of him, but maybe you can find one or two guys that can make one kind of big catch for you. Uh, From Dave in Waterville, Ohio, who, I guess he's thinking along the same lines as me. Maybe he's got that nagging feeling. Uh, Why shouldn't, he says the Browns, I don't think the Browns are taking the Eagles for granted, but why shouldn't we take the Brown, take the Eagles for granted? Uh, They have one of the top pass rushes in the league and some of their losses were only by small margins to winning teams. Am I wrong? And is Dave wrong for being at least a little concerned about this, this Eagles team? Uh, You know what? I I think that, that you guys are right in having these concerns because football is a game of matchups. And that is why you will see one team that seems like it should beat another team uh, get drilled by that team because the matchups worked out that way. And the matchup to look at in this game is the pass rush versus Baker Mayfield, especially if Jack Conklin and Chris Hubbard can't play the game. Again, they're supposed to. They're expecting uh, Jack Conklin to be back. He has not tested positive. Uh, But these guys are tied for third in the NFL with 31 sacks, okay? We haven't seen Baker get pressured since he played the Pittsburgh Steelers, okay? Now, the last two games, unfortunately for everybody involved, the passing game needs to get thrown right out the window. There's no way to evaluate or to, to tell what Baker can do in those conditions. His next outing was against the Cincinnati Bengals. And with no pressure whatsoever, he completed 21 passes and took, took over with 106 left at his 25 with no timeouts remaining and passed his way down the field to an amazing victory with no pressure. So this is going to be a big test for him. And quite frankly, one that the Browns need to see. They need to see what he can do against a defense like this. And it'll also be a good tune-up for Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, it, it's, he, they have to know that he can operate from the pocket, that he can operate under center, that he can do all these things when he is getting pressure, he, that he, he can function if they hem him in, if they take away the, the rollout and the bootleg. Uh, you know, that they, are they going to be able to bat down passes? That, that's sometimes an issue with him. So this is going to be a tremendous test for him and for the offensive line. And, and I, think, I think you're right to have some concerns. 
the NFL isn't a flip the switch type of league. You know, in the NBA, you can get away with that a lot more. In in football, when you're only playing 16 games, trends are real, and you need to be playing a certain way after a game to then practice that way throughout the week to then execute another game plan the following week. And if you just look at the Eagles, you know, they just had a bye week and lost by 10 points to the to the New York Giants and and looked abysmal doing so. Uh, Doug Peterson is, I think, kind of struggling with his play calling right now. Uh, they played the Cowboys a few weeks ago and only ran it like 20 times uh, and wanted to just throw all over a team that Browns fans know uh, the Cowboys have no run defense uh, available yet. Doug Peterson ignored that versus the Giants. I read that the Giants are, are like the 26th uh, worst defense against bootlegs and they didn't run a bootleg till the third quarter. So just little stuff like that, that end up being big things. I, I think that that shows that this Eagles team is just out of sync in a way, but look, the, you know, dead clocks, right. Twice a day, they've got, explosive playmakers and Miles Sanders uh, who's healthy now you know if he breaks off some a big screener here or there that you know these things can happen and Carson Wentz though he's I think 32nd or 31st in completion percentage at like 56 or 58 he's been terrible uh with just with his pocket presence and where he's putting the football could he have a 2017 type of Carson Wentz game sure I don't think it's likely but it's 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 entirely possible I, the Eagles are turning the wrong way. The Browns are going the opposite direction. So I think that's where you see the Browns being a favorite, but the names on paper still are the names on paper. They've got some playmakers and as Mary Kay detailed, well, the defensive line could cause problems for Baker Mayfield. Okay, a couple more here. Uh, this one comes from uh, Nick in Tucson and he's got a question about the long snapper, not really the long snapper, but how it might impact the Browns. And it's interesting because the Browns are playing Probably, I, I haven't looked at the numbers in these departments, but they're playing one of the more aggressive teams when it comes to, you know, Doug Peterson has, has always been an aggressive coach when it comes to going for it on fourth down, going for two. Uh, when he went for two on Sunday, it was a, kind of a confusing decision. Uh, that extra point would have put them, I believe, within a field goal of the Giants uh, when, when he made that decision. Uh, but anyway, the question here is, if Charlie Hewlett doesn't play, how much do you think that will play into the aggression of the Browns to go for it uh, in punt and field goal situations, especially considering the weather and the possibility of, yes, Mac Wilson perhaps being your long snapper. We've seen, we've actually seen the last few weeks bad snaps on special teams plays have hurt teams. I mean, look at the Titans, right? Against the Colts. Um, they had some awful special teams plays and it costs them. Uh, one of them had to do with the snap. So do you think we'll see a more aggressive I mean, Kevin Stefanski is pretty aggressive too, but will we see a little more of that on Sunday if Charlie Hewlett can't go? Well, better for that to happen this week than the last two weeks, if they have to be with a reserve long snapper, right? I mean, can you imagine trying to get that right uh, in, in those kinds of conditions the last couple of weeks, somebody just trying to figure that out in that wind and, uh, precipitation and hail and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I can, I can see that. I can see them having to be a little bit more aggressive, but they're aggressive anyways. I mean, I, there's not a fourth and short that, that, uh, Kevin Stefanski is going to not try to go for, I don't think. So, um, so yeah, I think it'll have an impact, but I, I don't think it's a huge, huge issue this game. Yeah. I actually would be pretty surprised if a long snapper being out would hinder Kevin Stefanski's game plan or change it in any large capacity, just because, you know, special teams coordinator Mike Prefer has been in the league forever. I, I 
find it unlikely that he's not prepared in a situation like this. Just, you know, if something were to happen to the long snapper, oh, we don't know what to do. We can't punt today. That just doesn't add up to me, especially with a front office um, with Andrew Barry and then Kevin Stefanski. There's just too much intellect there to not have this covered up. Uh, no team wants to punt. So perhaps, you know, you don't see a punt because of how they execute and Kevin's fancy just being aggressive because he wanted to be, I don't think it would necessarily be because of a long snapping situation. So I would be surprised, but um, you, you do never know. And best case scenario, they just don't, they just don't punt Sunday. That, that would be, I know special teams coordinator Mike Prefer would be cool with that. I actually have been, the one thing I've been a little disappointed in, I, I was hoping uh, with a really heavy analytics slant that maybe the Browns would go for two a little more than they have this year, that there'd be some situations where maybe they decided to, to line up and, you know, be like Doug Peterson uh, and go for two, but we haven't really seen, have they attempted a two point conversion this year? I don't know if they have. I don't think so. Two point plays are hard. You got to, and you got to show off some, some of your gadget plays, some, some stuff you may want to save for more critical situations. So um, I, I could, I, I see both sides of it, but uh, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure if they have. I don't – none to come to the top of my head, at least. Are they in Dallas? I know Dallas. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember it. I'm trying to find uh, I'm trying to find something here on the fly to see if there's any place. Uh, I mean, I'm sure it's tracked out there, but um, I, I don't know if I'll be able to find anything here uh, while we're looking. So let me find one more question here. Uh, this is from the 281 area code. Uh, do you expect to see more of Sheldrick, Red, Sheldrick Redwine – than Andrew Sandejo, especially since Sandejo can't tackle or cover well enough to be a starter. Well, as to the last part of that, I think we've seen that the Browns, they want Andrew Sandejo on the field. Now, we did see a little more of Sheldrick on Sunday, and we know that Ronnie Harrison is, is getting more and more playing time. I think he played almost, if he didn't play every snap, he played almost every snap on Sunday. Um, so we're starting to see a little bit of that transition, but uh, are we still going to see a lot of Andrew Sandejo? I mean, this is the question Browns fans are going to ask the rest of the season until he's not out there, I guess. Well, you know, I do think they will try to roll Sheldrick Redwine in there a little bit more. Uh, so I think th that he'll take some reps away from, from Andrew. Do you guys have, did you guys have the snap counts for those two or could you look them up? Dan? Yeah, I'll, I'll look those up too. Um, what I think is happening, you'll see Ronnie Harrison is going to be the full-time starter. Uh, and then the other safety spot, you're not going to see much of Carl Joseph because he's not necessarily a scheme fit with Ronnie Harrison. Uh, but they, they're going to roll in a little bit more Sheldrick Redwine and they'll still use Andrew uh, for his experience and in certain situations where, uh, where they just aren't, if they're not sure that Sheldrick is up to snuff in certain spots. So uh, I think it'll be some combo of those guys. And if Sheldrick proves he can handle more, then he'll get more. Uh, but I think for now, they're kind of resigned to a little bit of a, a committee approach there. So Ronnie Harrison was 100%. This is out of 57 snaps. And Dejo was 79%. Uh, Sheldrick Redwine was 30%. Uh, yeah. So those are your, your three guys there from Sunday. So that I think you'll continue to see a little bit more of, of Sheldrick as he proves he can handle it. Yeah, I, I completely agree with Mary Kay. I, I think putting having Sheldrick in there in situations makes sense, but I would be 
pretty surprised if Sandejo's snap count ever dips below 65%. Clearly, this is the guy who's going to stay on the field, remain on the field. If they were going to make a change, it was probably going to be, you know, right after the bye week, and it clearly wasn't a drastic one. So I, I think this 70-30 split will, will carry the Browns through the season. And, you know, we have to acknowledge one of the reasons that Andrew Sandejo is out there is because he just kind of makes sure everyone gets lined up right and uh, they're where they're supposed to be uh, on, you know, every given defensive down here. And, and that's an important thing for, for someone to be able to do. I'm still trying to find out if the Browns have gone for two this year. Somebody, somebody like tweet at us or something if, if they remember one, because I can't find a stat anywhere telling me if the Browns have gone for two. I'm really disappointed in this. This is the information we need here, NFL. I, don't, I just don't think they have. I, I, I know Dallas got one in Dallas, and it's really the only one that comes to mind. But That, was, that was, must have been the one that I was thinking of. Here, let me look real quick and see if I can find it. <laughs> this, this is great podcasting right here. <laughs> Live Google searching. <laughs> NFL two-point attempts. Here's this team ranking site. Let's see. Uh, Let's see what they've got here. Not finding it. Yeah, I don't know. Well, this NFL team ranking site has them at 100%, but they don't have like hard numbers as to how many times they've done it. So um, whatever it was, somebody let us know. Somebody tweet us. Somebody <laughs> sign up for Football Insider and text us. Something like that. Let us know if, if you remember that Browns two-point play. We're going to end this recording, and we're all going to remember. Oh, my gosh, of course, it was that game. All right, well, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Of course, if you want to get involved in uh, these texter, I guess this will be texter Thursday, uh, you can sign up for Football Insider. Go to cleveland.com slash Browns. It's the blue banner at the top of the page. And then, of course, uh, subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast. Spotify, Google Play, of course, the Apple uh, Podcast Store, because we give you seven podcasts every single week. So make sure you are subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts. For Ellis and Mary Cam, Dan, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks.